Hi, and welcome this day. So glad you could join us. May our time to be together be one of inspiration. May it be helpful in you finding more peace in your life. Have you ever been overwhelmed by the pain of this world and wondered, is there any other way to respond? Or maybe you've been hurt and you're just thinking like, man, is there a way to respond? Is there a way to deal with this pain to get me through it just a little bit better? Well, today we are going to look at how do we deal with pain because all of us feel experience have pain in our lives. None of us get through life without it. And there's a variety of pain, right? It could be physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, and it can come from a variety of directions and it can be all kinds of different levels. And so how do we begin to deal with that pain? And it's important for us to know, okay, how do we define this pain? According to Merriam-Webster, it is localized or generalized unpleasant bodily sensation, complex sensations that cause mild to severe physical discomfort and emotional distress, mental or emotional distress or suffering, one that irks or annoys or is otherwise troublesome. So think about that. Unpleasant sensation, discomfort, distress, annoys or troublesome. And it's interesting because as we've all experienced pain, we also have this sense of, okay, how do we deal with it? And everything, kind of all professionals, whether it's philosophy, science, religion, athletes, musicians, right, writers, all kinds of people try to deal with how do we get through it? How do we deal with it? How do we articulate it? because all of us want to be relieved of it. And so how does scripture begin to help us in that manner? How does it kind of guide us, direct us, give us a different way to negotiate the different pains of life? So for today, we are gonna look at two scriptures, well, two bodies of scripture. One is out of Romans and one is out of Galatians. Both have the same writer, which is Paul. Romans is written later, Galatians is written earlier. And we're gonna see how Paul tries to guide others in negotiating of how do we navigate pain a little bit better? How do we get through it? But also at the same time, showing his own struggles with it. And so we're going to be able to learn a little bit from the way he talks about it, but also in his own getting caught up in it. So today we've got, we're going to start in Romans 13 verses 8 through 10. Let us pray. God of mercy, we give thanks that you are with us this day. May the words of scripture inspire us. May it strengthen us. May it give us new perspective and new hope. Amen. Don't be in debt to anyone except for the obligation to love each other. Whoever loves another person has fulfilled the law. The commandments don't commit adultery, don't murder, don't steal, don't desire what others have, and any other commandments are all summed up in one word. You must love your neighbor as yourself. Love doesn't do anything wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is what fulfills the law. 
All right, so here Paul immediately, he is quoting Jesus, and Jesus is quoting Leviticus about loving our neighbor and that all the laws can be summed up into that. And Jesus talks quite a bit about how do we love one another, and he tries to show that with his life of, all right, how are we living and loving one another? And it's important because love is the response to pain. Whether it's love, like the pain is with ourselves, the pain is with others. It's kind of one of these things of going, all right, how does love not inflict pain? And how does love help those who are in pain? And at the same time, love is this weird thing because love requires us to be vulnerable, which means sometimes our love can result in us experiencing pain. And so it's one of those moments of going, all right, if I'm in pain, if someone else is in pain, where is love and how is love working? Well, an aspect of love is empathy. And it's important for us to understand what empathy is. Empathy is the action of understanding, being aware of, being sensitive to, and vicariously experiencing feelings, thoughts, and experience of another. The act of imagining one's ideas, feelings, or attitudes as fully inhabiting something, of, of, something observed. To love is to have empathy. To have empathy means we are willing to learn about others. That means we are willing to take the time to understand someone else's pain. It doesn't mean that we've experienced that exact pain, but we recognize that they have, and we have this empathy for it because we're trying to understand, we're trying to learn. And so we have a sense here of being able to love one another is to have empathy. But there's something else important. And there's a famous quote. It is a little bit like, who said it? Did the Dalai Lama say it? Did the author Murakami say it? Who actually said, pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional? And what this is getting at is something really important, that as we have empathy, as we try to understand other people's pain that we then don't move into holding on to it so tightly that we begin to suffer and that maybe we inflict more pain upon others. And so to, to begin to understand the difference, and even the definition of suffering is different than pain. The definition is to submit to or be forced to endure, to feel keenly, labor under, to put up with especially as inevitable or unavoidable, to allow especially by reason of indifference. Notice, notice even in that definition, right, suffering is a choice. What the quote was getting at of how is suffering a choice? How does suffering begin to impact us? And how do we get stuck in the suffering. Pain is inevitable, but suffering is a choice. And so when we're learning about one another, when we're trying to understand what in the world is going on, why are people in pain? Why are, why are we ourselves 
in pain of looking into that, of going, okay, well, here is the source of pain, but am I attaching, am I holding onto it so tightly that I'm actually making myself suffer? So we're getting here a moment of trying to understand, of trying to kind of figure out what in the world is going on. Continuing on in verses 11 through 14. As you do all this, you know what time it is. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your sleep. Now our salvation is nearer than when we first had faith. The night is almost over and the day is near. So let's get rid of the actions that belong to the darkness and put on the weapons of light. Let's behave appropriately as people who live in the day, not in partying and getting drunk, not in sleeping around and obscene behavior, not in fighting and obsession. Instead, dress yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and don't plan to indulge your selfish desires. To wake up from your sleep, an awakening. So here Paul is trying to encourage an awakening of the senses, of an awakening of of what is really going on here, an awakening to understanding. And then he says, he, he goes through, let's behave appropriately as people who live by the day, who live in the day, not in partying and getting drunk, not in sleeping around and obscene behavior, not in fighting and obsession. So looking at, all right, so what does love do? What does it do? How does it begin to work? How does it begin to challenge the pain that we experience? And it's important for us to know how love is defined even by Paul. And he defines it in 1 Corinthians 13 verses 4 through 8a. It says, love is patient. Love is kind. It isn't jealous. It doesn't brag. It isn't arrogant. It isn't rude. It doesn't seek its own advantage. It isn't irritable. It doesn't keep a record of complaints. It isn't happy with injustice, but is happy with the truth. Love puts up with all things, trusts in all things, hopes for all things, endures all things. So if that's what love is, if if that's what love is, how we practice love, then it begins to push against certain other things. And we get that sense of what it pushes against when he says, not in fighting and obsession. Love listens. Love is a practice of listening to one another, of being able to go, wait a minute, what am I getting caught up in? And not obsessing, of being able to let go. Love listens and lets go so that there aren't fights, so that we're not going over and over again, getting ourselves more and more worked up, getting ourselves in such a frenzy. But instead, love begins to give us direction of going, wait a minute, what beliefs, perspectives, practices, things that I'm holding on to that really aren't helpful, that don't help me live in peace? What are those things that we need to let go of? What are the things from the past that we need to say, you know what, I need to leave it there and move on? What are the things about situations and others? What is it about conversations, about moments in time that distress us? right? Because distress is part of pain. What are those things that we go, you know what? Let it be and let's move on. To be able to practice 
listening and letting go. That when we experience pain, so that we don't move into suffering, so that we don't choose suffering, that we are able to go, just take that step back and go, wait a minute, what do I need to let go of and how do I need to be listening more carefully? Because sometimes it's hard for us to listen because we get caught up in how we want to respond on proving a point on how we want to win the conversation because it to listen might mean we, we are embarrassed. It might make us uncomfortable. And so to be able to listen to one another gives us new direction, but it is a practice. Sometimes we will succeed and sometimes we will not. And so how will we move on? How will we let go? What will we have learned about ourselves and about others to give us that way forward? Continuing on in Romans 14, verses 1 through 4. Welcome the person who is weak in faith, but not in order to argue about differences of opinion. One person believes in eating everything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Those who eat must not look down on the ones who don't, and the ones who don't eat must not judge the ones who do, because God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servants? They stand or fall before their own Lord, and they will stand because the Lord has the power to make them stand. Right there, Paul begins with, welcome the person who is weak in faith. This is an acknowledgement. All of us have strengths and weaknesses. All of us do. And our strengths and weaknesses are absolutely different. And there are times where someone else's weakness may actually hurt us, but we also have to recognize that we may unintentionally hurt someone else from our own weakness, from our own strengths. And so here is that moment of love, of allowing that space to recognize that all of us are called by God. God welcomes all of us in our strengths and in our weaknesses, and that we have to give each other some room, even when it inflicts pain, because there, again, is the choice, because if we're going to hold on to the pain, then we are going to cause ourselves to suffer. We can recognize the pain and begin to learn from it and move on from it. Begin to find new pathways. And one of the other things that Paul talks about here that kind of helps us, all right, what else are we needing to practice so that we don't cause ourselves more pain, we don't cause someone else more pain, is this, God has accepted them. Who are you to judge? Mm. We know this. We know it when we experience it, and yet sometimes it's so easy for us to fall into being judgmental. Because when we are judgmental, it's our attempt to control the situation. And as we have talked before, love is not control. Control is not love. Why do bad things happen in this world if there is a God? Because God does not control us. God loves us. God loves us and gives us free will. Why does God not stop things? Because God does not control us because love is not control. Love is freedom. Love is going, you know what, we've all got strengths and weaknesses and we all screw up and we still love one another. We still have grace for each other. And so to think about that practice, and that one's a really hard one, 
right? That one's a very hard one to recognize, you know what? When we don't like what someone else does, when we're like, well, I would never make that decision. That's because that's not our weakness, right? And to be careful of being judgmental there. Be careful of going into wanting to control the situation, even when it's the best of intentions. And we're going to see that from Paul in just a moment. He's got sometimes the best of intentions. He just wants to be helpful. He just wants to fix things. He just wants people to live a good life. But there's an attempt sometimes to control the situation, to control others. And in doing so, we inflict pain upon ourselves and we inflict pain upon others. And to recognize when those things are happening, to be able to go, wait a minute, my attempt to control can actually inflict more pain. To recognize all of us are in need of God's love and God's grace, that all of us and all of our strengths and weaknesses, even when we may not understand someone else's weakness and be like, but it would be so easy if, to recognize that that is not love, that is control. All of us are in need of God's love. Continuing on in Galatians 4 verses 8 through 13, at the time, when you didn't know God, you were enslaved by things that aren't God's by nature. But now after knowing God, or rather being known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless world system? Do you want to be slaves to it again? You observe religious days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid for you. Perhaps my hard work for you has been for nothing. I beg you to be like me, brothers and sisters, because I have become like you. You haven't wronged me. You know that I first preached the gospel to you because of an illness. So right there, Paul moves into this moment of, he's talking about the things that enslave us, the things that we hold on to, the things that we stick ourselves to, whether that is, right, beliefs, perspectives, situations, moments that we hold on to so tightly that we actually make ourselves suffer, that we enslave ourselves to, we'll, we will not free ourselves from. And so there he's trying to be guiding, but then he begins to cross that line from moving from concern to control. He highlights the fact, hey, wait a minute, you guys, this is, I'm afraid for you. And he even points out of how they had helped him. You haven't wronged me. He's like, no, you guys were really good to me. But now he's moving into that moment of going, but I want your life to be better. He has the good intentions. Absolutely. He wants things to be better for others. Yes. But he's crossing from concern into control, which now leads to suffering. And so to be able to take that step back of going, okay, what do I enslave myself to? What do I tie myself to so tightly that it makes me want to control, that it makes me forget to love, that maybe I begin to slip up and, and I can't go down that path of love, even though that's the better way, even when it is kind of painful. 
Letting go sometimes can be painful. Being able to say, I'm not going to obsess over something anymore, it can be difficult. It can make us uncomfortable. It can even distress us. And yet, Paul sits on that moment of guide, but also slipping into his own struggles and of recognizing that of going, wait a minute, what am I struggling with today that actually inflicts more pain upon myself or inflicts pain upon others that actually may be helping me to make that choice? What am I getting stuck on that I'm actually making that choice to suffer? Finishing up in Galatians 4, verses 14 through 19. Though my poor health burdens you, you didn't look down on me or reject me, but you welcomed me as if I were an angel from God or as if... I were Christ Jesus. Where then is the great attitude that you had? I swear that if possible, you would have dug out your eyes and given them to me. So then have I become your enemy by telling you the truth? They are so concerned about you, though not with good intentions. Rather, they want to shut you out so that you would run after them. However, it's always good to have people concerned about you with good intentions and not just when I'm there with you. My little children, I'm going through labor pains again until Christ is formed in you. Think about that. Right there, he's like, when, where then is the great attitude that you had? A sense of what is the attitude that we carry when going into painful situations, when dealing with the pain of ourselves and with others? How do we have an attitude that is facilitated by love? And we don't know what changed for the Galatians. We don't know, like, all right, like they seem to be on a different path than the one Paul left them on, and they seem to be getting caught up in stuff. We don't know why. And it could be any number of reasons, right? We all want love, and we all want to be loved, and we want to share love, but sometimes we just get a little bit busy. Sometimes it gets really hard. Sometimes we get sidetracked by so many other things. Sometimes we get caught up in, we get caught up in perspectives and beliefs that actually move aside that love. And so instead of God, well, how dare you, Galatians, of recognizing for ourselves What is the attitude? What are the practices we may get caught up in that actually drive us apart from others? What are the things that may be inflicting pain upon ourselves and others for no good reason other than that's just what we choose to do because we don't have the time or the patience or the understanding or we don't want to fill in the blank. And so Paul here is once again trying to guide and thinking about what is the attitude. But here Paul slips into, he crosses that from concern and inflicting his own suffering. When we get to this line, I'm going through labor pains again until Christ is formed in you. He wants to control the situation. He wants to control the decisions that the Galatians make, that they will choose the path of Christ, that they will choose that way of living. And he moves from guide into saying, no, I am in labor pains until you choose it. He's getting stuck in his own suffering. He's choosing to suffer. Paul is an imperfect person. 
Paul struggles. He talks about it sometimes. Sometimes he even writes about his struggles when I don't think he even realizes that he writes about his struggles. But it's that sense of we keep trying. We keep trying to figure out new ways of connecting to God, new ways of understanding the pain that we experience, the pain of others, and the practices we have to take up, whether that's in listening or in empathy, of letting go, of not obsessing, of being able to say, wait a minute, there is a different approach to this, of recognizing we can't control others, of how are we being guided by love, not controlled, but guided by love, and how are we sharing that love with others? Sharing it not from a sense of I want to control but sharing it because it is so life-giving. Sharing it because it does allow us to not choose suffering. It, we know the pain, but we don't continue to choose suffering. And so what are the practices today? What are the practices that we will try to figure out that we will absolutely get into of going, you know what? I need to try it right now because I don't want any more pain in my life and I don't want to inflict pain. Pain is inevitable. It will be part of life, but how we don't get stuck in it. We recognize it. We experience it, but we do not stay there. And so how will we allow the words of Paul to challenge us, to comfort us, to even give us a new way of living and thinking because Christ doesn't want us in pain. In fact, when we look back at John and we look back at that gospel and see the different things that Jesus says about what he wants for us, like in John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, I give to you not as the world gives, don't be troubled or afraid. Paul needs to hear that. We need to hear that. John 16, 33, I've said these things to you so that you will have peace in me. In the world you have distress, but be encouraged, I have conquered the world. So that sense of, hey, Paul, you don't need to be in those labor pains. Think about the peace that Christ keeps calling us to, keeps encouraging us in. We recognize the pain, but we do not choose to suffer. We recognize the pain and recognize all the ways that we may be inflicting pain upon ourselves and each other to become like cognizant of, okay, what do I need to practice for more peace? Because that is the way to respond to the pain of this world, to constantly be looking for how to love and to facilitate, to cultivate peace for ourselves and for others. And so how will we be challenged by that message today? How will we be challenged in the way that we show up, in the way that we respond to the pain of this world, to the ways that we are hurt and distressed? Amen. Mm -hmm.